You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Today's conversation with Chris Ramos-Green is one to brace yourself for because friends, it is fire. Chris authored her first book, Embrace That Girl, during the pandemic. And it's basically a big girl's coming of age story about navigating love and life and adulting in Miami as a second generation immigrant. But our talk today dives so deep into real, relatable things that I know will impact and improve your life today because the truth bombs she drops are straight fire. We really embrace attitude adjustments, finding the good and choosing to thrive because of your circumstances, not despite, and giving a sense of urgency to your dreams because you know what? They deserve that. Buckle up and get ready to have your cup filled by Chris today. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And without further ado, welcome, Chris. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay! It is so exciting to have you here on Thrive because so much of what became the catalyst for your new book, Embrace That Girl, and so much of what you share is so relatable, especially as we still face the pandemic and make plans for a new year. So really stoked for what's to come. Kick us off by telling everyone all about you. I mean, you're a writer for Thought Catalog, The New Tropic, BuzzFeed Community, you are a Spanish-American author. Um, parents born in Cuba, and you're like navigating love and life and adulting in Miami. (laughs) And like, you really managed to make the most out of the past few months to become a published pandemic author like me. So what is your story? Oh my God. I love that term, by the way, that you use, pandemic author. Totally. I'm a pandemic author. We should own that. We should totally own that. (laughs) We should, right? I think that's great. Um, Okay. So I was born and raised in Miami. I am the daughter of two immigrants. My parents are Spanish and Cuban. Um, They're both born in Cuba. So that upbringing definitely paints a lot of just like how I view the world, of course. Um, By all other accounts, I had a pretty normal, happy middle class (laughs) childhood and growing up. Um, But I always knew I wanted to be a writer. Like it was always my way to process who I was um, in that certain space and time. So it was kind of like a vocation for me. And I always wrote in high school, I wrote for the paper. When I graduated college, I had a blog for a while. I had a travel column that I started to write for these other publications, some of them that you just named. Um, and though I still had my day job, I like slowly started to shift more towards this creative career path. Um, and then I used the pandemic to write my book and I moved from Miami to North Carolina. It was a busy couple of last years. So now I live in a place vastly different than where I grew up. I actually live in Western North Carolina in a very small little mountain town. Um, so that's me in a nutshell. It's like... <laughs> 
That's awesome. I love too that um, we have very similar backgrounds in that I also wrote for my high school paper. Woo! <laughs> and had like, <laughs> or, or it was like a paper, the county paper at the time, but same sort of thing in terms of really feeling like writing was more of a vocation and doing the blog and just always finding a way back to it as a creative outlet. And as just honestly something more than just a creative outlet, really like a calling, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt it like that, like a, like a vocation almost. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do when I'm not writing. I'm always writing in some way, even if it's not something that I necessarily share or publish. So mm-hmm. a way of life. <laughs> I love that. I know a lot of the, the impetus and inspiration behind your book too came from like a decade of feeling like you were living this life that was also just not what your high school and even college self had pictured from, you know, working your first job in the financial crisis to living with your parents and being fresh out of a breakup. Talk to us about reframing expectations and getting past what feels like, honestly, quarter life crises, because especially since so much of 2020 has felt like one big unmet expectation and then some. That's such a great way to put it. Dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) mind, But yeah, it's been, it's definitely, you know, it's weird how life works sometimes where things are parallel. um, Because when I published this book, I was like, oh my God, I think I've done it at the worst time ever because I, so much of what being an author and promoting a book, like what that looked like in my mind had to do with like in-person events and signings and, you know, connecting with people and going to workshops or, you know, whatever, getting work, like my work out there. And I was like, I've just done this at the worst time ever, but it actually ended up being kind of like the perfect time because there are so many parallels that I never thought about, like that I dealt with, even going through that financial crisis, like that circumstance that I was kind of thrust into. I know a lot of people are in that circumstance now, like for sure grads. I mean, they have it worse than arguably I'd say I would, but yeah, it's, it's been a really, it's definitely scratched on that quarter life crisis feeling this year. Um, But I feel like what that makes me think about, okay, so like there's this tough love advice that I've received before and I've thought about it now as you were like asking the question and it's called, um, or it says that happened. So what now what, which I know sounds like a bit harsh, but I guess in my experience, like I'm a really analytic, like overthinker. And in the past, like when I've spent too much time, like focusing on the expectation that wasn't met, the problem, the, the pain point, I don't, it doesn't really do anything for me. Like when I'm ruminating and trying to give it meaning, you know, like at the end of the day, it's kind of like, so what (laughs) it happened? Like, what are you going to do about it now? And I feel like that's kind of what I try to come back to now during the pandemic um, and try to think about like, okay, like, so this happened. I can focus on all the ways that it was an expectation that wasn't met. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, it doesn't really help us to, to focus on that part. So even if it means like giving it meaning. So I think like it's okay to process things, but with the intention of getting off it and moving forward and, you know, doing what you can. So that's kind of yes, what. Yes, I totally agree. That's literally a mantra in my own book. What are you going to do about it? Because you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's like so much of life comes at us and you don't actually have any other choice other than to just 
assess it, analyze what you need to take, what you need to, and then do something about it. You have to move forward. Like life is going to keep going on. It actually, I don't actually think it's harsh either. I mean, my daughter is two and in Sesame street right now, they literally have, they just started this like mantra where I forget the the exact wording of it. So I'm going to butcher it. Sorry, Sesame street. But it's like, okay, if this, then this, now what? And it's, it's the same sort of thing where it's teaching kids at such a young age, like, okay, if this happens, then this happens. And now literally, what are you going to do about it? It's, and it's just how we have to healthily process life, I think, because there's, I mean, what's the alternative? Right. That's the thing. Like life is going to life. And whether you believe that's working out to your advantage or to your detriment it's gonna happen either way like we never really had control like I remind myself that of even at the worst of the pandemic I think that's what it's like pierce the veil right of like oh we really never had control ever over anything yeah. and that's kind of like a scary thought but it it's, doesn't have to be <laughs> so mm-hmm. what <laughs> now what you know it's true and it really is all about that perspective shift because it's life is either happening to you or for you. And it's mm-hmm. really up to you which of those two mindsets you take on. If you're just a victim to whatever the universe is throwing at you, or if you are someone who believes that, you know what, things in life are happening for me, what can I learn from this? Like you could have just gone through the crappiest thing on the face of planet earth. So yeah. what, what do you take from that? Like, do you sit there and wallow and just go, oh, pity me, my life sucks boo-hoo or do you buckle down and say you know what yes this sucks but what can I take from this to better myself better my circumstances better the world around me so that some good somewhere can come out of it yeah absolutely I totally agree I know something you've said before too that I wholeheartedly agree with is there's no way to get out of doing the work yourself it's not easy but it's worth it And in a way, I almost feel like yours and my generation got it easier in not having social media be such an integral part of everyday life because, man, social media can be a liar and just make it look like people woke up one day with success and it's just this highlight reel of chosen and filtered moments and fails to show the dirty work behind the scenes. Would you agree with that? Oh my God, yes. It's really funny. Like, so I think Facebook came out when I was in college and I'm pretty sure Mark Zuckerberg was also in college because it was only for college people, right? Like you needed that um, college email to even have an account or whatever. And I just, I can't imagine having that as a kid. You know what I mean? Like even college felt a little bit too soon. There were still some like dicey comparisons. And like, I have to say like now, like my part of my, my day job, I work in social media. It's actually my job to create content and be on these platforms. And I feel really conflicted about it sometimes because even with that understanding, like I logically know that this is a very chosen highlight reel that people are presenting to you, which is fine. Like it's their choice. They don't have to present to you these like really painful moments. But even knowing that on like the harder times in my life, it's really been tough not to, to look around and feel like people have got it figured out and I don't. And so I have to agree. I think that, you know, it's still been, it's been like an incredibly powerful tool for sharing. And as an author, like I can't deny that it isn't really a wonderful way to get like my work out there and connect with people about it. But 
um, yeah, it can be really hard if you don't have that like perspective. And I think when you're so young in those like formative years, I mean, the 20s still felt like I was maturing, but not like that, you know? And so I have to say, I think we did have it pretty easy and in, in not having that so accessible, like so early on. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, dirty work behind the scenes too, both as first time authors this year, I think we can relate on this and understand it really well, I'm sure. Talk to us about how you used the pandemic to finish and publish your first book and introduce us to Embrace That Girl. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Embrace That Girl is, it's my story and it's a vignette style story of um, going throughout my twenties and it's bookended by my 30th birthday when I found myself at this transformational workshop Um, and specifically what I learned at this workshop, this perspective, um, totally changed the way that I looked back at my 20s um, and specifically in accepting and embracing even the most embarrassing parts because we've all been that girl at some point in, in our lives. And so it was really cool to write that during the pandemic. Um, I've actually, I have a funny story about how like I found myself in the pandemic. Um, so we, it's related to this. Um, so the, the workshop that I was at, it was the first part of a three-part series. And as luck would have it, a lot of time passed between taking that first part and the second part. And so I went to the second part with my husband. It was like March 9th of this year. And it's like a five-day workshop. Like you're really in it. I'm not checking my phone. I'm only like, you know, maybe texting back like my parents or someone with something important. Like I'm not watching the news or anything like that. Five days later, it's like, you know, mid-March and we're like stopping by Target on the way home and we don't understand why there's no toilet paper and we just haven't like seen the news yet. So we literally got home, right? And I'm feeling very personally like empowered, motivated, ready to go, extremely clear, super empowered. And then we get home and we turn on the news and we're like, shit. (laughs) and then we had to stay home it was like that was real lockdown when it happened and it was a super jarring experience because it's like I found myself in many ways again after one of these workshops um, but this time at home and revisiting this book so I thought (laughs) it was an interesting experience um, but I did think it was super helpful for like a few reasons like um, one obviously the time spent at home as much as that probably drove me crazy at some points, um, I feel like really helped literally provide the space to to finish this book. Um, but more than anything, I also feel like maybe you can relate. Like I feel like it wasn't just having the space, but I think a lot of people at home without, you know, you run out of Netflix at some point, you know, you run out of binging shows. Um, everyone was in like a really self-reflective place. And I was thinking about who I have been, who I can be. um, And it really helped me access a lot more vulnerability. So I did a lot of rewriting and my book grew twice the size during the pandemic. And I think ultimately I was really happy because it was in service of like that final work. Like it just felt like I really poured that honesty. Um, And yeah, like it just provided clarity, I have to say. So I'm oddly grateful (laughs) in some weird way for this pandemic and it being an author. Um, Oh, it also gave me a sense of urgency. 
And I don't think I ever gave, even though this was like a really important goal for myself, it was really easy to like put it off because there was something more important or I was scared. And like our dreams really do deserve to be, to have the same energy and sense of urgency. Like, like it matters the most, like someone's life depends on it, you know? And at that time, I mean, it's really sad, but a lot of people's lives were ending. I mean, this was, a, it was a, more of a mystery. We know a little bit more about COVID now, but at that time we really didn't know. And it felt like, holy crap, like the time is now. So I felt like I had a lot of space and reflection, but a lot of motivation and just like real life, like, okay, no, you have to live your life like it's right now. And this is the time to get the story out. So you're totally Pandemic right. authors. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, too. And it kind of ties back to what we just said also in it really being a lot about your perspective, because even looking back on 2020 now, as people are already doing, you know, everyone is calling it, you know, such a dumpster fire of a year so horrible, which for many people, for many reasons, it absolutely and undeniably was. But like you said, there was still good woven into that. And there were still lessons to be learned that did, that were learned and that continue to be learned. So it's one of those things where you can look back and be like, all right, write it off, never, never again. But the truth and the reality of it is that we don't actually know what future years will be. There could be a continuation of this pandemic. There could be a totally different pandemic. Like bad shit happens all the time. We all know that. So like yeah. you said too, we don't have control over any of it. And it's really just about being able to choose the perspective of growth and of getting better. And like you said, giving your dreams a sense of urgency that they quite frankly deserve because you just never know what the next year is going to be. So if you're putting it off until someday, someday might be a different pandemic. <laughs> you really don't know. So you might as well take advantage of this one. Yeah, I totally feel that, you know, like I, like, there's definitely been a lot of disappointing moments and um, from the pandemic for sure. And also, I think you're right. I think it's kind of largely the way that you look at it. And honestly, I mean, I'm hopeful for 2021, but it's like, what do we do getting out of this moment and getting into a new one? You know, like the pandemic isn't solved. It's not going to go anywhere. So I don't know. I, th I think in many, many ways, um, it was very purposeful in how it affected everyone's life. And I think if we let it and we let ourselves not resist it and focus on all the bad shit that has undeniably happened, like you said, um, like it could be some of the best, <laughs> um, albeit like medicine, you know, like for us to be, to, to have perspective on what's right. You know, there's a lot of people who've got to spend a lot of time with their family that they wouldn't have. And then there's also the haven't gotten to see their family. So there's just like, there's a little bit of everything. It's a mixed bag. And like, to me, like my perspective has really saved 2020 for me. I think I would have been a lot more miserable had I not chosen to every day, even if I didn't feel like it, try to find like how this is happening for me, you know? Absolutely. I want to read a quick blurb too from your book that just has so much punch to it, I think. Um, and it was a little retelling of a part of the seminar that you just mentioned that you did go to on your 30th birthday. So I'll tell everyone what the, um, what the speaker said and what, what you wrote. So it goes, comfort arrives as a guest, stays as a host, and remains to enslave you. He lets us sit in the air as we all presumably take a scan of our lives and decide to trust him. Yes, it's true. 
Comfort has been an unwelcome guest keeping me in a strange purgatory, a state that's not exactly painful, but not joyful. What I mean to say is my life is good with short bursts of greatness, but mostly filled with days that feel like the real things I want are out of my reach. So like mic drop for you right there. That's awesome. <laughs> Talk to us about this, about this feeling of comfort, about where you were at this moment, maybe versus where you are now, because I'm sure this is a very real relatable feeling for so many, but there's also this big fat, but what next or what now that looms after that thought bubble where we know action needs to be taken, but maybe not what action steps to take. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I really like this question and thank you for reading that. That was one of the most impactful things I heard at that workshop. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but I feel like, so I am an overthinker and I, I actually have found myself many a time in life in this place that you've kind of like just described where I have something I want or something that I want to change. <laughs> um, and I've, you know, I've, come at this in like 18 different ways and I'm a doer much like yourself. So I, I feel like we have that in common that like, we're like, okay, I'm going to find a way to do this. And then, you know, there's just like, I reach a point where I'm like, okay, nothing, none of that has worked. And so I feel like that's kind of what I got, like from what you were saying. And when I'm in that place, like I kind of just try to remember that, okay, we're human beings, not human doing. So that's usually my cue to surrender. And so at that time, I like to, I'm a fan of like declaring what I want and then living into it. And so like what I mean by that is that, okay, I'm going to declare, even though I have absolutely no shred of evidence or idea of how to change this thing that I've just tried to drill my head into. Um, but I'm surrendering to it and I'm having faith that somehow I'm going to make this happen, that this, the universe, God, you know, whatever your source is, is going to conspire with me, so to speak. Um, and I find that when we're in that state, the right things come to you. And when we're, when I am surrendered and, and having faith that it's going to work out, I'm relaxed. And when I'm relaxed, I think really clearly. And when an opportunity presents itself, I'm able to recognize it and then take the action that's needed. So it's not all like daydreaming. It's like, no, there needs to be action, but when I'm in a super frazzled state and I'm trying to figure out what next, I know I want to do some things. So that's good. That's working. But like, I just don't know what to do. Then I'm not thinking clearly. Then all the opportunities can like walk by you, land on your lap, literally. And you just won't recognize them that way because you're not clear. So I feel like I try to remind myself of that. And it's not, it's not easy to be honest. It's more comfortable and familiar to get frazzled and to focus on the thing that's really gotten you either upset or maybe not upset, maybe just a problem that you want to solve or whatever, but like that's comfortable. Um, but like that guy said, <laughs> kind of like remains, you know, it, it comes as a guest, stays, oh, remains and save you. I'm not even going to try to paraphrase that, but he, he was just so great when he said that. And, and that's what I take from it. I, I take this sense of really powerful surrender and faith that it's going to work out. And that usually helps guide me. And then I'm able to take the action that makes sense to, to make it happen. You know, that is so, so good. And I love that you just touched on the fact that feeling frazzled can be a comfort zone because I've experienced that myself. You and I are so similar. <laughs> like I've, I've, I've experienced that myself. And I've had that talk with my husband so many times where I'm like, if I, 
am in this burnt out, frazzled state, sometimes I need to take a step back and like look at my own world around me. And chances are there's like chaos on my desk, in my, in our room, like everywhere in the house and just like feeling frazzled about things and I'm just worked up and sometimes I'll just get myself to that place and exist there and then wonder why things aren't getting better or improving in a different direction. But it's like you can keep putting yourself back in that state for some reason. And I mean, that's like a whole other psychological deep dive for (laughs) for so many of us, like why that is. But it's so true that that in and of itself can almost be comfortable as uncomfortable of a physical state that can be, if that makes sense. Like it's something where just like being in that state and maybe, maybe for some people it's like complaining, like complaining is something that you do all the time. So you'll find something to complain about because complaining with your girlfriends feels like home in a weird, sick, twisted kind of way. Like there's weird detrimental habits that we can do that we inflict on ourselves that you're right, totally impede our ability to think clearly, our ability to grow. And it's like, we can put ourselves there without even realizing it. (laughs) And it has an undeniable negative effect. So I think there's so much power in what you said in that once you are able to actually approach something in a relaxed way, in a clear way, the clarity comes, like more answers will come simply because the entire way that you're approaching it is different and stronger and more powerful and just like setting yourself up for more success. So it's not going to be like a bing, bang, boom in the state that you currently are, you will find answers. It might require some, some work to get there, but like it all will start to come together from that. Yeah. Like, and if you really, it's, well, first I totally relate and being frazzled and anxiety is definitely my like weird, sick comfort that I find myself in. And I think a lot of people realize like sometimes things that are comfortable aren't comfortable. They're just familiar to you. It's like your survival, Mm. like kind of instinct that kicks in. Um, But like another way, and this is definitely something I learned and kind of took out of my twenties, you can't solve a problem in a problem state. Like you have to be in a solution state so that things will flow and the creativity sets in and we're all just so much more powerful and resourceful. I think than we even give ourselves credit for, we just have to let ourselves have it. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, I get it. It's, it's really hard. Sometimes I have to, I'm on it for some time. And then when I'm done, you know, that's, I, that's my joke with my husband. I'm like now in in my awareness, I can actually sometimes tell him, like, I just really want to throw a tantrum right now. He's like, all right, throw your tantrum. So I'll just, like, complain about it. And I'm like, oh, that didn't even feel good. That's fine. I have to, I get to solve this now. Like, it's like our joke. It's really funny. But yeah, I totally, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Do you feel like it's also a little bit harder being self-aware? Because then you know, you're like, okay, logically, I know this is dumb, but yeah. I'm still feeling these things. I still need to let it out. I know, I know the rationale behind it. I can probably self-therapize a little bit through it, but I just need to vent for like a hot second. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm able to like get off it quickly. I will say one thing that was totally like a little bit of a getting used to and specifically like the, the message in this book was being the author of your own life and knowing that you are creating all of this for yourself. Um, and that totally changed my, my world, but complaining 
And when something would happen and, and some days I'm not going to lie to you, some days I just kind of wanted to be a victim about something and then be like, Oh, this is, this is so unfair. Like, did you even like you saw that blah, 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 blah whatever. It's so unsatisfying now with awareness. I'm just like, it's not even fun anymore. <laughs> I can't even, you know, I just now you're aware. I, so then you're complaining I'm and you're aware. like, oh, I'm also being a victim. And now I feel bad about that. <laughs> correct. Correct. Now, now I have two problems. Now I'm being victimized by my own. <laughs> so it's really, it's, it's funny. Like I learned to laugh at it, but at first it was kind of like, shoot, it's not nearly as satisfying to like get up on my soapbox and complain about something. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just move out of it really quick. I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what leads to the now what too, because you are, you're more aware of what's going on. So it, it almost oh. drives you faster to the end solution because you're aware of all of those in between things. You're like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. Now I just have to figure out what good can actually come of it and what I do, what I do next. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you obviously had quite a few twists and turns in your own journey to becoming an author. So what advice would you give to listeners who just want to be truly fulfilled in their career, whatever that might be? I mean, especially since there has been and continues to be such obvious impact on jobs and economic challenges thanks to COVID. Oh, man. Okay. I have a few for this. I'm going to repeat like what we were talking about earlier, which is that basically whether you believe that it's for your detriment or for your support, life is going to life. So With that, I feel like there was a couple things in my 20s that, and specifically during that time of the like graduating in the financial crisis, and like I had just gone through a breakup, I couldn't afford to live on my own, so I was back with my parents. Um, For whatever reason, (laughs) I believed that I could, even though nothing supported that, and it felt like the economy was crumbling and I was making this pathetic salary for which I was still very grateful and lucky to have. Um, I had the audacity to believe that it would work out for me. And I might have complained a lot, (laughs) maybe the entire time, but I still somewhere inside believed that it was possible to be better. Um, I think I would also say that choose to believe that and thrive in despite, not despite the circumstances, but because of them. I feel like every decision that I made in the context of that economic depression was really in service. And I, I see that now and I, I didn't see it back then. So I try to think about that even now, like you can't see it now. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know ultimately how this will be in service. Like I have some tangible results to that in my book, but you know, I can make up all kinds of stories there even of like, maybe I launched it at the wrong time and it'll never get the track. Like, you know, you can, you can make up whatever story you want about it. Like you were saying before, like you're really at choice whether or not you think that this is good or this is, you know, you're being a victim. And the last thing that I will say, which I believe so strongly, you cannot have a breakthrough without a breakdown. So when the whole world it seemed at that point was kind of crumbling and in, in many ways, like a lot of things in my own world, my own personal beliefs and the way that I, I viewed who I was in the world, felt like they were crumbling. Like sometimes it's okay, even though it's scary and it feels like there's a lot of uncertainty and things are breaking that were once things that you might have held true, whether those are beliefs or establishments or whatever, 
it's really scary, but that's what makes room for something better to come. So I remember that, like, and, and I kind of do in a way feel like this pandemic and maybe even this year, things outside of the pandemic that we've, you know, have been going on in the world, like we're in a collective breakdown and that sucks. <laughs> but I feel really like strongly and I have faith in that the breakthrough is coming. Like this is purposeful. Things need to break so that they can be made new again. So I think those would be like the three things that I would say to people now, just have faith. Chris, that was so good. I was literally just taking notes on what you were saying because I'm like, ooh, zinger, zinger, zinger. It's so <laughs> true. People forget this. Like we forget this all the time. Look at, if you could just look at seasons, like how nature works, nothing is just this upward constant positive trajectory where someone starts and is like, all right, I'm going to become successful now because I've decided to, and now I'm just going to step up on a ramp and like escort myself to the pinnacle. Like it just doesn't, that's just not how it works. It's not how anything works. So you can absolutely blossom in your personal springtime, but you're also going to have a winter where it's pretty barren. Like we all have seasons and oh my goodness, I just absolutely love that because I also feel like if you truly look at the life stories and paths and trajectories of really admirable known people in the world, there is always some sort of massive breakdown, so to speak, that happened in their life, in their career, whatever, before they became what they are now known for. It's like, and those, those stories don't get nearly as much attention once they're famous people but I mean, we've heard that all the time, you know, like how many times JK Rowling had to pitch Harry Potter before it became a thing, or how many times Thomas Edison tried the light bulb before it became a thing. Like there's so much failure that comes before the the tipping point for people. It just never gets the, atten the same attention. But for that person in the moment, I'm sure it felt like the world was coming to an end. So it's really just what you do with the breakdown while it's happening and if you choose to look at it as something that's going to destroy you or as something that's going to empower you and push you closer to that breakthrough yeah it's so yes to everything you just said i thought that was awesome and have you have you ever heard of the artist way i don't think so no oh my gosh i think you might really like it it's um it's this book and it is a 12 week course it really it's like you read a chapter a week and then there's certain tasks and and things to think about but anyway it's all about looking at yourself and living a more creative and intentional life and like it's all about creativity but anyways there's this one i was just reading it this week i'm on week six and she had this incredible blurb and she's like oftentimes people think about like how like point a and then you know your z being success and like that there's all this footwork and that they're just going to like, you know, follow the right steps. And then that's how they're going to get there. And she's like, I have found <laughs> that that is not the case for success. And that most of the time it actually looks like you're shaking an apple tree and an orange falls out. So like your task is to look at the orange and be gracious and accepting and go with it. You know, and I thought that was such a perfect way. And it kind of reminded me of what you were talking about almost. It's like, yeah. Sometimes people think they're just going to go up to the pinnacle and like, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be like a bestseller. So I'm just going to like walk my happy ass right up there and just give myself all this stuff. And it doesn't happen. Sometimes like you shake the apple tree and you get an orange and it's like, okay, what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. I love, I'm a, such a visual person and I love that metaphor and that image that you just 
gave with shaking an apple tree and an orange falls out because my first thought was like that's perfectly good orange so if you were expecting (laughs) right like if you were expecting and wanting an apple you would look at that and you'd be like what the hell is this this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me it's not at all what i was expecting or what i was hoping for i worked so hard to make the apple tree what worst I'd be like, where is my honey crisp? And you would complete, and you'd be like, I'm throwing this away. Not what I wanted, not what I needed. Like, God, where are you? I wanted an apple. And he'd be like, but dude, there's a lot that you can still get from the orange. The orange is still yeah. juicy. The orange is still zesty and tasty and delicious. Like, Correct. You're just going to throw it away? Something. Right. What are you, you going to throw it away because it wasn't what you expected? Or are you still going to enjoy it, have a different experience, but still have something that nourishes you in some way like wow look at this look at how we just took this metaphor right (laughs) and now it's a life lesson like right like there's how many of us orange (laughs) yeah like how many of us were shaking our orange of 2020 and then the the orange (laughs) dropped in march and we were like well crap this isn't good and just like called it quits on the entire year versus people who are still like you know what I'm going to, it might not be what I was expecting, but dang, I'm going to squeeze this orange for all it's worth and try to get something good from it because what other choice do I have? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, on that note, (laughs) I want (laughs) to close things off by asking you a question that I ask all guests who come on Thrive. And that is what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? Oh my gosh. Uh, I really love the word thrive. As a matter of fact, when I first came upon it and and that was the name of your podcast, I was like, I'm going to really like this girl. This is a great word. (laughs) Um, But I think like what it means for me is a lot about what we talked about, like thriving in, not in spite of your circumstances, but because of them. And by circumstances, I equally echo your story Um, There's actually a quote that I'm not going to read it because it's at the very end of my book, but um, I use the word thrive Um, and I'm looking back and I'm contending with this person that I am that I've never, I've not accepted a lot of, I didn't accept a lot of parts of myself. And I sat there and I, it was my 30th birthday. I'm at this seminar and it just really hit me that I would place all this blame on not having done enough of one thing or pursued something in a certain way or had success in some of the things I thought that I did. And it was really important in that moment that I just knew that I really like accepted myself and loved myself. And I was like, I'm not here despite you. I'm here because of you, because of every decision you ever made. And so that's kind of what it means for me. I love that so much. Well, Chris, thank you so, so, so much for being on Thrive. Um, this has been so absurdly enjoyable. So I hope that everybody else listening was taking taking notes <laughs> and soaking it all up too. Um, tell us where people can find you online and where people can get their hands on a copy of your book. Um, my book, probably the easiest way to find Embrace That Girl is Amazon. Um, my website, thechrisramos.com. I spend a lot of time there. And then give me a shout on Instagram because I lose most of my mornings like just on Instagram and I'm at Chris R. Green. Wait, before you go, 
If you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.